Come, let us adore him. And with that piece of music this morning, a Deste Fidelis by Friar Alessandro, welcome to Sacred Space 102 FM, a come and see production here for West Limerick 102 on this glorious Christmas morning. My name is Shane Ambrose. I'm delighted to welcome you to the programme this morning. And in to keep manning the desk this morning, keeping us all the show all on the road is John Keeley. Good morning, John. Good morning, Shane, and good morning to all of our lovely, beautiful listeners out there who listen to us each week. You're very welcome, and thank you indeed for joining us this morning. We're delighted to uh, have you with us this morning for our uh, Christmas Day special programme. Uh, this programme, obviously, we're we're particularly conscious of those who are housebound for the various reasons, and including COVID, of course, at this time. Those who are lonely or struggling this Christmas Day, because, of course, it is a very unusual Christmas for us this year. And of, and and we're very thankful to all of you that have joined us today, and and of course for those that continue to support us in prayer each week. So our program, of course, is broadcast on West Limerick One Hundred Two FM each Sunday, and going out at ten AM and eleven PM. And the podcasts of the program are available. There's some of the Come and See uh, Inspirations podcasts available for playback and download on our Come and See Inspirations podcast page. Just Google us, and we'll come up under Buzzsprout. <coughs> So, uh, on this morning's programme, of course, we are delighted because it is a series of reflections for Christmas Day. And we have various guests who have been with us over the years and who have given us their reflections for Christmas and the Christmas season. And uh, also this year, we asked them to give us their selection of piece of music and why they picked that particular Christmas piece of music. But before we uh, jump in <clears throat> to the, the programme and before we get started, of course, as we do every morning uh, on, on Sacred Space 102, 
we will have our spiritual communion prayer. And of course, very much a prayer which a lot of us are praying at the moment because of our inability maybe to get in to attend public liturgies for various reasons and because of the COVID restrictions. So um, the best way, of course, to receive Jesus is in Holy Communion. But for those where we can't, we can still reach out to him by making a spiritual communion in prayer. My Jesus, I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot now receive you sacramentally, come spiritually into my soul. I embrace you as already there. I unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. So, as I said, <clears throat> we have a number of guests uh, giving us reflections on this morning's programme. So rather than listening to myself and John talking, uh, they'll be doing the talking for us. So first off, to start things off, we have a lovely opening prayer from Father Conor McDonough. Conor is a young Dominican. He's based in Dublin at, in their house in Tala. And uh, sorry, it's St. Saviour's rather in Dublin and teaches in Tala. And Connor is going to give us an opening prayer this morning and later on in the programme then as well. Uh, our, we will also have him, his reflection. And in case you're wondering, why is that name familiar? For those of you that read the Irish Catholic, Connor is one of the priests that contributes to the notebook on the back page. And so to start off our Christmas programme this morning, we have invited Father Connor McDonough a Dominican based in Dublin, originally from Galway, I believe. And Father Connor is going to share a prayer with us just to start off our Christmas program this morning. Thanks, Father Connor. Lord Jesus, born in Bethlehem, you are the peace for which the whole world was waiting. The peace come to reconcile enemies and to renew our hearts. The angels sang of peace on earth on the night of your birth. We need this gift again, Lord Jesus. Come and be born within us now, and let us rest with you in heavenly peace. And we're delighted uh, to welcome to our Christmas Day special here this morning on Sacred Space 102, Bishop Brendan Leahy. Good morning, Bishop Brendan. How are you keeping? Good morning to you, Shane. Happy Christmas, and indeed, happy Christmas to all the listeners. And Merry Christmas to you too. We're delighted to have you on the programme this morning. And we're just, it was an invitation we, we issue almost annually at this stage. We're delighted to have you on our Christmas programme, you know, to share maybe some thoughts or reflections that you might want to share with our listeners. And I suppose particularly at this Christmas, given the rather surreal and unusual 2020 that we've had. Absolutely. This is a un really unusual Christmas for all of us. And I know there have been all kinds of restrictions on us. Uh, at the same time, the Christmas message manages to break through any barriers, it gets through any uh, pillars or posts that are put in our way because heart speaks to heart. And at Christmas time, I think in our heart, in our mind, we can go towards other people and believe, look, this is a good news day for everybody. We all certainly, I can imagine people listening to me have had a year that's been difficult in all kinds of ways not least because of the COVID itself, but I'm sure there have been bereavements, there have been situations where people have been under threat in terms of work, there have been the students who haven't been able to do their exams in the usual way, there have been students who are now in, in third level colleges who really have a, a very unusual experience of university. There's the whole thing of the restrictions, social restrictions, so this is a very unusual year. But today we're celebrating a story that is good news, and I suppose it's important that we let that good news really enter into us and say, look, I'm going to make the best of today. I really am going to make the best 
up to date for the, for the sake of the others around me or for the sake of those who might be on their own, for the sake of people who I mightn't be able to reach today. I'm going to make the best of it because remember, Pope Francis has a lovely expression that by being born in a manger, God has really launched a revolution. The only real revolution, as he put it, that can give hope and dignity. And it's the revolution of love, the revolution of tenderness. And I think today for all of us, no matter where we might be feeling about how things have turned out for us this Christmas, let's just decide we are remembering today a revolution of tenderness and that that's the consoling news for ourselves and for people that we've known that have been through a difficult time. Perhaps we could give somebody a phone call today that we might normally be in contact with or send a text message or in some way make ourselves present. But at the very least, maybe a lovely way of doing it would be to say a prayer today for somebody that we know has suffered during this coming this year. And that way we can live the tenderness of Christmas towards others, even if we can't go visiting them directly ourselves. We can live the tenderness anyway, you know. Because, again, I suppose in looking at this Christmas gathering, we remember that Christmas is a beautiful time. John Henry Newman, the saint who, let's remember, visited Limerick and spent some time in Limerick. He had a lovely um, way of talking about Christmas. He said, may every Christmas, may, may each Christmas as it comes, find us more and more like him, who at this time became a little child for our sake more simple-minded, more humble, more holy, more affectionate, more resigned, more happy, more full of God. And then John Henry Newman went on to say, Christmas is a time of, for innocence and purity and gentleness and mildness and contentment and peace. So I think, look, we have COVID. It's part of what we're at now. We have masks, we have social distancing, but that doesn't stop us ourselves from our heart starting with a revolution of tenderness and looking around us and trying to spread the real meaning of Christmas this this year round of what John Henry Newman talks about there just being a bit more humble more simple more happy for other people more gentle and in that way we'll spread the Christmas that will certainly get beyond the COVID restrictions and even help people who who've had setbacks this year that we'll help them get ready for a new year which will be coming of course in a week's time but we'll go into it with Christmas in our hearts and shared and spread with others and I do hope that this day people will get a chance to look at the crib if it's in their house or look in a crib maybe on a website somewhere you know open up the crib and spend a time a minute or two looking at it and thinking about what's happened there thinking about the child Jesus thinking about Joseph thinking about Mary thinking about the angels thinking about the shepherds and imagining, using your imagination to think, yeah, how did it feel for them? How, what's being said to me? And in that way, let the Christmas revolution become stronger in our lives. Thank you very much, Bishop Brendan. That was that was a lovely few words uh, this morning. And just um, just to just to close out this 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 reflection, um, I was wondering if you had a piece of a particular piece of music, Christmas music, uh, that you would suggest for us this morning. And maybe why? Well, it's a it's an Irish song with a kind of a Celtic air to it. I like it in itself as a piece of music. It's very simple. It's called Dun Ihud in Mehel. In other words, that night in Bethlehem, that day in Bethlehem. And I like it because the melody is beautiful. It's a lovely uh, melody. But I suppose it's in Irish. My parents come from West Kerry. 
And uh, they often, we grew up in Dublin, they often spoke about Christmas time in West Kerry and they always captured our imagination talking about the candles lighting and in the darkness seeing these, this, 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 this river of candles around the parish and the little traditions of leaving out food for the Christ child and I suppose there was an element of nostalgia about it, which I suppose many people do have at Christmas time, an element of nostalgia. But of course, at the end of the day, the story itself is the lovely story about look at the child Jesus. There's a lovely softness and I suppose tenderness about this little song. And it touches, I think, um, a chord. For me, thinking about Christmas when I was young, about my parents have now gone to God, and thinking about many people with memories, great memories of Christmas, and that they might in that way be inspired to recognise, yeah, that tenderness, that simplicity of Christmas. We're we're ambassadors of that today. Other generations did it in their day. We do it in our day. Thank you very much, Bishop Brendan, and Merry Christmas. Many happy returns to all of you. Every blessing. I sing of a night in Bethlehem, a night as bright as dawn. I sing of that night in Bethlehem, the night the Word was born. The skies are glowing gaily, the earth in white is dressed. See Jesus in his cradle. Drink deep in his mother's breast. And there, on a lonely hillside, the shepherds bow down in fear when the heavens open brightly and God's message rings out so clear. Glory now to the Father, in all the heavens high and peace to his friends on earth below is all the angels cry Er lag 
So now I am delighted to welcome Geraldine Creighton to our program uh, from the Emmanuel community on this special Christmas morning. So good morning, Geraldine, and happy Christmas to you. Good morning, John. Happy Christmas to you and Anne and to all the listeners. Um, really hope that uh, even though Christmas is only beginning, really, um, that we can live we can live it as uh, in a family way, in, in a strong way, despite everything, Thanks and maybe because of everything. And Geraldine, uh, very kindly, uh, given us some time uh, a few days, uh, a few weeks ago, actually, just before Christmas, to share with us um, a Christmas Day reflection or a Christmas Tide reflection. So thanks indeed, Geraldine, and maybe she might follow that up after. We'll just invite us to listen to a piece of music. But Geraldine, thank you. Off you go. So I suppose when you think of of Christmas, we all think of meeting people, uh, being together, uh, having time. And um, this year, of course, is slightly different, but really it's the same. We'll be meeting people, we'll be being together, we'll be having time. And the question, I suppose, to ask is, uh, what is Christmas about and what am I going to do this year that's different? I remember uh, two particular Christmases when I was growing up. The first was at one point when we were kids and... uh, Parents were getting ready, of course, all the Christmas gifts, and we came to Christmas morning. And in fact, the gifts that year were very sparse. It was very little, and we were of the age that we noticed, and that was something. So we had the whole Christmas, but the gifts were little. And the second Christmas memory that I have was um, a big storm, and there was no electricity for Christmas so the turkey couldn't be cooked or at least if it was cooked it took forever because we had an old gas stove at the back and um, it took time and we played games by candlelight and in a certain sense there were two contrasting Christmases but there were still Christmas. It was still something about time, being together um, and just I suppose living the moment whatever the moment brought. In in the scriptures, you know, that we're hearing at Christmas, in the, in the readings at Mass and in, in the Bible, we see that in the, in, the, in the prophet Isaiah, he mentions, he says one thing that I find really interesting. Uh, and this is Isaiah chapter 7. And it talks about a sign. So a sign will be given. Uh, the virgin will conceive a baby. And... He will be called Emmanuel. This is one of the readings we hear many times during the year, but especially around Christmas time. A sign will be given, the virgin will conceive, so completely impossible. Um, and the name of the child will be Emmanuel. And in Matthew's Gospel, you know, around the, the Christmas scene, uh, all the Christmas readings, we have it there in chapter one again. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel. And what it means, uh, the name that means God is with us, and we hear this every Christmas. But I was fascinated by Isaiah, that he said a sign will be given. Because oftentimes in our lives, we're looking for signs. We're looking for signs, for example, in the last while that we're still close to people, even though with COVID, we, we, we have to be distanced with our social distancing. But the sign might be an elbow bump 
you know, just to bump the elbow of the person. It's a sign. It's a sign of hello. It's a sign of dignity. I recognize you're here. It can be a sign, a sign of love. I saw a wonderful thing in, in uh, I think it was Italy or one of yeah, Italy it was where they had constructed these special gloves that you could put your hand through and they could hold the hand of the, of the, the, the relative in the nursing home and without, you know, skin on skin touching, but they could still hold because a sign had to be given that their person was loved. And so for us, it says in, in, in Isaiah, um, the Lord will give you a sign. And we can often ask ourselves, you know, really, do I believe in Christmas? Do I believe in, in the story of Christmas? What is it about? Um, even if I do believe, surely there's more. And I can honestly tell you that with God, there's always more. And when you get to thinking there's no more, it, it really requires just a little question. Lord, if you're there, show me. Lord, if you're near, show me. Uh, and even, dare I say it, Lord, if you're near, give me a sign. Because that scripture said, the Bible says, the Lord will give you a sign. And I really suppose at this time of year, encourage you, I'm encouraging myself as well, to ask for the sign of God's closeness. In the song that you'll hear at the end that I've chosen, uh, it's, it's a song that's written by a man called Michael Card. He's an American. And he has done an awful lot in his, he's a biblical scholar, really. So he's done a lot of work in the Bible and getting to know, reading the Bible and, and trying to find out who, what God is like and who God is. And um, and therefore, you know, get learning more about himself and the world around him. Um, but he wrote this song about God, you know, God will give a sign and the virgin will conceive. And, and this idea that God's presence with us is something he wants to reveal he wants to reveal who he is and who he is, is is already in this name. He's God with us. He's not God against us. He's God who is on our side. And he, he merges in this song, links it in with the text if, from the book of Romans, written by St. Paul many, many years after Isaiah wrote that text, uh, that book, um, which says that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing can separate us. In fact, St. Paul asks the question, what or who, in fact, shall separate us from the love of Christ? And he goes on to say, will trials do it, or anguish, or hunger, or persecution, or poverty, or danger? And he said, St. Paul wrote, "We." he said, no, thanks to him who has loved us, nothing can separate us from the love of God made known to us in Christ Jesus. So this love of God, God wanted to reveal himself. He wants to keep revealing himself. He just doesn't do it once off. It's a bit like when you're married. You know, you don't just tell the person you're married to that you love them once. You do it all the time and in little ways. And in bigger ways sometimes, but mostly it's the little ways that really are really significant because often they're without sound. There are little gestures and little kindnesses. God is like that too. He reveals himself in little ways. And I think the prayer to pray is, Lord, let me see your little signs. And if I can't see your little signs, make them bigger. Because maybe I'm a little bit blind. 
in, in being able to see or being able to recognize. I don't really know how to do this, but give me a sign and don't stop at one sign. Each day of these Christmas days, give me a sign and keep going throughout this next year that's coming, 2021. Give me a sign. Give us a sign in our family that you are near despite troubles and anguish and suffering and death and pain and trials. But that your love is close and your love is greater and your love is consolation, your love is healing. And your love is peace. So, dear listeners, may God grant you through the listening to the song a new experience of his love. And may he grant you a new love in your families and a new love in your communities. And may he bring about transformation in in our world because it's love, love, love. That changes everything. So it's Michael Card, and the song is called Emmanuel. Thanks, Jolie. You're welcome. A sign shall be given, a virgin will conceive, a human baby bearing undiminished deity. The glory of the nations, a light for all to see, and hope for all who will embrace his warm reality. Yeah. 
this morning on Christmas, this Christmas Day morning, to welcome Father Eamon Conway back to the program. Eamon, happy Christmas to you. Many happy returns indeed, Shane. Good morning to you and good morning to all your listeners. It's it's lovely to be with you uh, this morning uh, for this program. And I suppose I'm very conscious that it is a strange, strange Christmas uh, for us. And, you know, while we have all the lights up and uh, all the trees decorated, and presumably at this stage, whatever presents we have bought, uh, either in shops or online, uh, wrapped and maybe already many of them exchanged. Um, there's something very difficult about celebrating Christmas the way that we always have. And I wonder if in part, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, one of the things of the, and I know it's different for everybody and I don't want to impose my experience on others, but. One of the things of the last, uh, effectively now almost a year, I think is that we have had so much of the of the superficial in our lives uh, stripped from us. And it has been an opportunity, I think, to get in touch with what Pope Francis said in that extraordinarily moving Orbi at Orbi in, in March, at the height of the pandemic in Italy, uh, when he addressed an empty St. Peter's Square. I mean, it's an iconic moment of our times. And he said, this is an opportunity for us to focus on what matters most. And I suppose what I, the good news, and that's what we're talking about this morning, Christmas morning, the good news that we are celebrating this morning, not one centilla of it has been weakened or affected or diminished by the coronavirus. Not one centilla of it. God's gift of God's self, God's goodness, God's presence in our midst this morning can even be more powerful, even more joyful in the midst of our, perhaps our loneliness, our brokenness, our awareness of our fragility, our new uh, and newly realized understanding of the fragility of our planet and of ourselves uh, as people. St. John of the Cross uh, talks a lot about light and darkness. And in his very famous uh, account of the long and dark night of the soul, he talks about how light shines best in darkness. And as these evenings have become longer, and now we're in the in the depth of winter when the hours of daylight are precious to us, we are very much aware of how dependent we are on light shining in the darkness. And if you think of it, uh, you know, a candle or a, a weak light bulb will shine radiantly in a darkened room. And so the darker our human experience at this time, it can be the case if we make space for it, if we allow for it, that the light that is Christ will shine even brighter uh, than ever before. So this is, in a sense, this is the good news uh, that we uh, bring to our Eucharist. Hopefully we are able to celebrate Eucharist uh, this morning in some way or shape or form, even if it is a spiritual Eucharist, a sense of communion of God with us, Emmanuel with us uh, this morning, uh, that we can bring 
an awareness that the light that shines in the darkness, the darkness, a light that the darkness cannot comprehend is the literal translation of John's gospel. Uh, that a light that the darkness cannot certainly uh, eliminate or, or diminish in any kind of way. So this is the good news we bring here this morning. And I'm conscious that maybe for many of our listeners today, as we gather for lunch, if we're able to gather for lunch, maybe there'll be some people for their Christmas dinner. Unfortunately, they'll be on their own, but they won't be on their own if we have that deeper sense of connectivity that the Eucharist offers us today. Those who may be gathering around the table with some empty places, maybe because family members weren't able to come home for Christmas uh, this year. Or maybe, very sadly, uh, people are gathering and there will be a profound sense of the presence of somebody's absence because they've been called home to God in the past year. But again, the word of God that became flesh for us this morning is powerful enough to bridge all these forms of separation that we've been experiencing. All these forms of social distancing, social distancing do not have to be forms of profound spiritual distancing, the opposite in a certain sense. I, I have to be honest, I, I'm very pleased at one level that the, in a sense, the consumer Christmas, and I know many businesses and properties depend on, on, on the business side of Christmas, but that's not Christmas from a spiritual and faith perspective. And, you know, when the shops close uh, on Christmas Eve, and I know many people work through Christmas to get them ready to open again on St. Stephen's Day, but for a short period of time, we gather and we touch into what really is at the heart of Christmas. If only that was longer. I mean, the the feast of Christmas, the season of Christmas is meant to be, uh, you know, a, a whole octave. But we really can find it down to eight hours, maybe more than eight days, which I think is, is very, very sad. So my appeal to people would be to to um, not to indulge in too much uh, sense of, of self-pity if we're inclined to do that this Christmas. Oh, isn't it terrible? But look at the opportunity that is there to experience God with us, to experience the joy of knowing that the heart of our lives is a love that nothing can shake, not even death itself can separate us. Uh, from the gift of God's self in the puniness and the fragility and the vulnerability of a small uh, child. Um, so that's very much my sense of, of the gift that this Christmas can be for us. And to, to remember with a certain sense of joy the generosity of so many people that have made our lives as bearable as possible over the last year. To give thanks for the, to God for that. Let this morning, let today be a day of which we express gratitude in the quiet of our hearts, or maybe even publicly as we, in our grace before meals, as we gather as a family for Christmas, if we're in a situation to do that. To give gratitude and thanks to God for what we have, for what it is possible for us to have. And to remember with a deep sense of solidarity, so many people around the world who are in very, very worse situations than we are here in Ireland. And we do need at all times to have a sense of uh, proximity uh, to those, particularly to those who are vulnerable, to those who are marginalised. Do you think this morning as we celebrate Christmas of those who put themselves in the front line of fighting this virus, of challenging, uh, in a sense, the the ways in which this virus has has limited us and so on. And um, I'm conscious too of of people who may be suffering from anxiety or or depression in any kind of way or shape or form. Again, they need to be close to our hearts, close to our, our, our minds and our thoughts and indeed to our actions insofar as we can reach out to them. 
But above all, to remember uh, that we're celebrating this morning the inbreaking of God's eternal life into which we ourselves are invited in mind and body and in spirit. The inbreaking of that into our world. Uh, a, a self-giving of God that nothing can take from us. So that's very much my prayer and my wish and my thoughts uh, for everybody this morning as we celebrate Christmas. Thank you so much for that. Now, one of the things we're doing on our Christmas program this morning is we're asking people uh, to suggest a piece of appropriate festive music for us. So you have nominated Oh Holy Night, and, and who are you getting to sing it for us? I would be delighted if you have the version by Leontine, Bri- uh, Leontine Price. I just think it's a beautiful um, rendition of Oh Holy Night. And I think it just captures that sense of our own smallness before the immensity of God. But the immensity of God who gives God's self away into the fragility and vulnerability of a, of a baby um, in, a, in, a, in a manger, in a crib. The risk God takes uh, in becoming human, one of us. Uh, so I, I just, I think, to give ourselves over into the, into the lyrics and the, the sound of that beautiful hymn, I'd invite you to do that now.
So at this point in our programme here on this beautiful Christmas morning, it's a pleasure for me again to invite on one of our regular contributors. And thanks again to all the, the contributors who've joined us this morning. But Father Chris O'Donnell, good morning. Happy Christmas to you. Good morning to you. Happy Christmas to you, John, and all your listeners and the family. I hope you're all well. We're all well. Thanks, Father Chris. So, Father Chris, thanks a lot for joining us and taking time out to share with us your thoughts, a, ref a reflection for this Christmas Day. Thank you very much indeed. No bothers at all. And I suppose in choosing a reflection, I'm just very conscious. For some people, Christmas might feel a little different this year. Uh, it's been a very different year. And irrespective of maybe how different it is, I'm just very conscious that the promise of Christmas and the message of Christmas and the light and the love of Christmas is is all it ever has been. So it's still the same and actually more important this year. So this little reflection is just calling that to mind, maybe particularly for those who've lost someone during the year or those who are finding it a little different. So it, it's called the promise of Christmas. Sadly, Christmas is so different this year, missing a loved one so cherished and dear. Get through it, get over it, we wish it away, wondering how we'll get through the day. Broken-hearted and lonely, looking for hope, amid festive cheer, we struggle to cope. What we don't realise in the midst of our pain is that it's for people like us that the Lord Jesus came. In the dark of our winter, along comes this night, just when we thought that we'd never be right. Out of the chaos came a gift from above. God became man to fill us with love. Emmanuel, God is with us. It's more than a name. It's a comforting promise. It's the reason he came. A promise that tells us that we're never alone. God's promise to be with us wherever we roam. It speaks of pain passing, a new dawn, a new day. It speaks of a love that death can't take away. It speaks of strength when we're feeling weak. It speaks of light when things seem bleak. It speaks of hope when we feel despair. It speaks of joy when life's a nightmare. It speaks of healing in the midst of pain. It speaks of faith when all seems in vain. God became man on a bleak winter's night to be with us always and to give us his light. So remember this if you are feeling blue. This promise of Christmas is especially for you. May God lift your spirit and may God heal your heart and help you to trust that you're never apart. The love of your dear one will be always with you. Thanks to Christmas, we know this promise is true. And so that's the little reflection. And I suppose if I was to choose a song then to re-echo some of that, I would love if you could play When a Child is Born, because it talks about a ray of hope flickering in the sky, a light lighting up, walls of doubt crumbling down, that we get to stand on solid ground. And it, I suppose it talks about hate, changing to love and war to peace so a, a whole new world so i suppose that's why uh, that's why i choose the song when a child is born it just talks about that hope that we all need and that hope that's at the heart of christmas thanks father chris and a happy christmas to you thanks very much john
flickers in the sky. A tiny star lights up way up high. All across the land dawns a brand new morn. This comes to pass when a child is born. Silent wish sails the seven seas. Winds of change whisper in the trees, and the walls of doubt crumble, tossed and torn. This comes to pass. When a child is born, a rosy hue settles all around. You've got the feel. You're on solid ground. For a spell or two, no one seeks for love. It's all a dream, an illusion now. It must come true sometime soon, somehow. All across the land, dawn's a brand new morn. This comes to So now on this Christmas morning, Father John Roach, who shared his faith journey with us recently, joins us again with a reflection for today. So welcome back again, Father John, and happy Christmas to you. Uh, thank you very much, John, to you and to all our listeners as well. A blessed and a happy and holy Christmas to us all. Uh, as I said, a happy Christmas to everybody. And uh, I'd like to this morning to be, take you to Malawi in Central Africa, where I started my missionary journey, and in particular to Mzuzu Diocese. And it is Christmas Eve. Uh, I'm down in the town of Mzuzu, and I meet Emmanuel. Emmanuel was one of our Christians who was on his way home. So I said to Emmanuel, Happy Christmas, Emmanuel. And Emmanuel replies saying, Father, it'll be a good Christmas. I have some bread in my bag. I have some tea. And especially, he says, I have some sugar. He said, you know that we love our sugar. 
and we can't have tea without our sugar. And something just struck me. It's such a simple sort of statement. He's going home with bread, with sugar, and with tea leaves. And it struck me that the message of Christmas is also really a simple message. And the messages of Christmas, God saying to each one of us, I love you. And I've loved you, I love you so much that I've said to my son that he will be the eternal sign of my presence with you and of my love. So I pray that all of you may experience that love in a new way this Christmas. We've had a hard year, but maybe during this Christmas, I pray that you will experience the closeness and the intimacy of God in Jesus Christ. And then Emmanuel went on and he said, but Father, remember, you're coming to celebrate Mass with us tomorrow. And I said, oh, yes, Emmanuel, I forgot. And he said, then he said, we will celebrate. We will dance. We will ululate. We will join in singing and we will have a little feast together after Mass. Jesus will be with us and we will receive him in the sacrament. Again, it really touched something very deeply in me that Jesus is the celebration of life. One thing Africa has taught me is the importance of celebration. Even the poorest people in Africa know how to celebrate. They know how to be joyful and they know how to be together in joy and in celebration. I hope and I pray that we will have a celebratory Christmas that maybe in our families, in our communities, even in the restricted way that we are living these days, we will find reason to celebrate. We will find reason to be joyful and we will find reason to be, to be together in communion, in family or wherever we are. In our Christmas meditation and in the Christmas moment, God is saying to us, celebrate with me, we are together. And so my second prayer for all of us who are listening today and for all of us in the world community for, for Christmas is that we will have that spirit of celebration. We are not alone. God is with us. Jesus is with us. And so hope is part of who we are and hope is part of our lives. And so I wish all of you a simple Christmas filled with the presence of light. I wish you all a celebratory Christmas filled with the presence of Jesus and the hope that he gives to humankind. Have a happy Christmas. Thank you, Father John. And would there be a piece of music you would like us to play directly after this, please? Well, I have, John, I've spoken about uh, joy and celebration and I've spoken about love. So I think that Christmas song of joy to the world will be very appropriate. From all of us at Sacred Space, have a beautiful Christmas. God bless you and thanks for all you're doing, Father John. Say
At this stage of the program uh, this morning, it's a delight for me again to, to welcome and to Sacred Space 102 FM uh, Rose O'Connor and Father Eamon Fitzgibbon from the Limerick Diocesan Centre. And they have again um, agreed that they'd share a reflection for us on this Christmas morning. So, good morning and happy Christmas to, to Rose and to Father Eamon. How are you all? Good morning, John. Happy Christmas to you and to all your listeners. Hi, John. Happy Christmas. Lovely to be with you again. Father Eamon, beautiful reflection you've got prepared for us. So the, the reflection that we've chosen this morning is one entitled Entering into the Simplicity of Christmas. And I suppose this Christmas I'm struck more than ever by the utter simplicity of the birth of Jesus, of the arrival of the Son of God into our world without fanfare, without grandeur. And I have a sense that this year has something new to teach us about how we live our lives about where we place our focus, where we place our priority. During this challenging year, many of us have been surprised to find that we don't really need all the things we thought we needed to have a complete and fulfilled life. So as we're surrounded by family at home this Christmas, perhaps we can take time to sit at the crib to take in the simple surroundings into which Jesus was born. Two years ago at Christmas, Pope Francis spoke these words to us. As we enter the stable, sensing in the tender poverty of the newborn child a new fragrance of life, the odour of simplicity, let us ask ourselves, do I really need all of these material objects and complicated recipes for living? Can I manage without all these unnecessary extras and live a life of greater simplicity? Many of us were worried that we could not have a Christmas this year, that the virus would rob us of the ability to be together to celebrate. But perhaps we are being offered a wonderful opportunity to enter more fully into the mystery of Christmas. There's a Spanish priest, Father Javier Lioz, in the city of Pamplona, who wrote a beautiful poem in November this year entitled, Will There Be Christmas? In his poem, he emphasises that Christmas Day this year will be simpler and quieter than other Christmases. And therefore, we have a greater opportunity to honour the birth of Jesus. He reaffirms the true meaning of the Christmas celebration. He points out that the end of this year is likely to be less hectic than we're used to. But, he says, that is just the point. It is an opportunity to finally experience the silence and peace of Bethlehem. A few days after he shared his poem, 
Father Leo's was at the rectory in San Lorenzo when his mobile phone rang. He expected it was a business call or maybe one of his many parishioners. But who was it but Pope Francis himself? Father Leo said that when he heard the voice of Pope Francis, his heart almost jumped out of his chest. And Pope Francis told him how much he appreciated the message of the poem and shared his view that Christmas would be more purified this year because of the health crisis. He talked about how the Christian spirit of the Christmas season has been progressively stolen from us. So this year, perhaps we can leave aside the frantic busyness and present giving and focus more on the simplicity and beauty of the gift of Jesus being born for us in our world. And Father Emil will share with us an English translation of Father Leo's poem. Thank you, Rose, for that beautiful reflection. And I'm going to read for you now Father Javier's poem. Will there be Christmas? Of course, more silent and with more depth, more like unto the first one when Jesus was born in solitude. Without many lights on earth, but with the star of Bethlehem shining on paths of life in its immensity. Without colossal royal processions, but with the humility of feeling as if we are shepherds, young and old, seeking the truth. Without big tables and with bitter absences, but with the presence of a God who will fill everything. Will there be Christmas? Of course, without streets overflowing with people, with our hearts burning for the one who is about to arrive, without noise or festivals, complaints or stampedes, but living the mystery without fear of the COVID herd that tries to rob us even of the dream of waiting. There will be Christmas because God is on our side and he shares as Christ did in a manger, our poverty, trials, tears, anguish, and orphanhood. There will be Christmas because we need a divine light in the midst of such darkness. COVID-19 will never be able to reach the heart or soul of those who put their hope and their high ideal in heaven. There will be Christmas. We will sing Christmas carols. God will be born and will bring us freedom. So that is the translation of the poem by Father Javier that Rose introduced for us there. And we'd like to sign off this morning by wishing you all a very happy Christmas. And the music we've chosen for this morning is a beautiful hymn, um, my own personal favourite actually, called In the Bleak Midwinter. And the words of it I think, communicate much of what Rose has shared with us in that reflection and indeed what Father Javier shared with us in his poem.
So now at this point of the programme, um, it's a delight for me to introduce someone who's been on the programme a few times, uh, Sister Louise O'Rourke, who is a member of the Congregation of the Disciples of the Divine Master based in Dublin. Good morning to you, Sister Louise, and a happy Christmas to you. Good morning, John. Happy Christmas to you, too, and to all your friends there. Thank you very much indeed. Sister Louise, thanks again for taking time out. And Sister Louise has uh, very kindly agreed to offer us a reflection, and uh, after after that she'll let us know a piece of music that might be uh, just ideal for us to spend this Christmas morning. Thanks, Sister Louise. I suppose I was very conscious that at the end of October, when restrictions for Level 5 were announced in Ireland, headlines in the newspaper the next day carried phrases like six weeks to save Christmas or Ireland has six weeks to save Christmas in order to have December joy or another paper that had the headline will Christmas be cancelled in a way it sounded like a plot from Dr Seuss the Grinch stole Christmas as I reflected I thought we can't save Christmas rather it's Christmas that saves us And if we go back to the reason for the season, it is Jesus. Jesus, the Emmanuel, Jesus, the Saviour, Jesus, the child of Bethlehem. And this year we're being called to celebrate a simple Christmas, one which this year for many reasons resembles the first one 2000 years ago. And that's okay. Our faith, our family, our friends, gratitude for life, memories of those who are not around the Christmas table this year for different reasons, all in the sacred space of the Word made flesh, and we're grateful. We're called to live simply this Christmas, so that realistically yet poignantly, others may simply live. A few weeks ago, a Spanish priest called Father Javier Leos from Pamplona prepared a reflection on how this Christmas during the corona pandemic we can actually live it more like the first one. And Pope Francis himself even called the priest to commend him on recalling people to live a simpler and a quieter Christmas, and as a consequence, focusing more on the birth of Jesus. His text, entitled Will There Be Christmas, and presented as a poem, reaffirms the true meaning of Christmas. Certainly, the end of this year is left less hectic than we're used to, as Father Lioz pointed out. And that's the point, really. It's an opportunity to finally experience the silence and the peace of Bethlehem. So I'd like to share the text of Father Lioz's poem with you. Will there be Christmas? Of course. More silent and with more depth. More like the first one when Jesus was born in solitude, without many lights on earth, but with the star of Bethlehem, shining on paths of life in its immensity, without colossal processions, but with the humility of feeling as if we are shepherds, young and old, seeking the truth, without big tables, but with bitter absences, however, with the presence of God who will fill everything. Will there be Christmas? Of course. Without streets overflowing with people, but with our hearts burning for the one who is about to arrive. Without the noise, there are the many festivals, 
without the complaints or the shop stampedes, but living the mystery without fear of the COVID herd that tries to rob us even of the dream of waiting. There will be Christmas because God is on our side and he shares as Christ did in a manger, our poverty, our trials, our tears, our anguish and our orphanhood. There will be Christmas because we need a divine light in the midst of such darkness. COVID-19 will never be able to reach the heart or soul of those who put their hope and their high ideal in heaven. There will be Christmas and we will sing Christmas carols for our God will be born and he will bring us freedom. So the piece of music I'd like to share with the listeners is from an artist called Chris Tomlin. And he has a song which is simply called Christmas Day. And when you listen to the verses, you hear the words. He was born to conquer the grave, light of the world, the reason for Christmas Day. Stars we have seen, deserts and oceans. The darkness was deep, but never hopeless. Redemption came and his name is Jesus. So yes, there will be Christmas and Christmas is not canceled. May these extraordinary times where we are distant, but still present, virtual, but still connected, apart, but still united, help us recall the reason for the season, that every life is precious and that the birth of Jesus in a stable in Bethlehem, like the birth of every child, is a sign that life will go on. Christ, our Emmanuel, is our joy, our hope and our life. A blessed Christmas to you all.
So now I'd like to welcome on to our special Christmas Day programme, Sister Katrina from the Dominican Sisters in St. Saviour's Parish in Limerick. Good morning to you and happy Christmas to you, Sister Katrina. Good morning, John, and good morning, listeners. And another Conagwit, I'd just like to share a little reflection with you on these past nine months, which have been such an unprecedented time of change for us all. And yet today, the image of the child in the manger reminds us of the one thing that we can be certain of, and that is God's unconditional love for us to send his only son as that weak and vulnerable child into the world to redeem us. And as we're told in the first letter of St. John, that God is love, and whoever remains in love remains in God and God in him. What greater gift could we have today of all days? And yet, I suppose in our humanity, how can we trust that this is true even for us today? And by virtue of our baptism, we receive faith, hope and love into our souls. And this faith, it helps us to believe what we cannot see to hope that we will someday be reunited with God in heaven and above all to love him and to love our neighbour. And our soul is nourished and strengthened then by the grace that we receive through the reception of the sacraments. This Christmas, many of us may be experiencing a different kind of Christmas than previous years. And this might stir up in us all kinds of emotions. We can look to the sleeping child in the manger to remind us who we are, that we are children of God, that he has us in the palm of his hand and that he will remain as he promised us always with us until the end of time. And so amidst whatever inconstancy or change or uncertainty that we are experiencing. We can be sure of this. So I wish you and your family many graces and blessings during this Christmas season. Thank you so much for those words of hope, Sister Katrina. Have you got a little piece of music you'd like us to play directly after this? I have, John. I'd love to share. for uh, the listeners, uh, a little piece of our mother house. Um, So our mother house is in Nashville in Tennessee, and we would usually all come together in the mother house um, for Christmas, a Christmas celebration. Uh, And this recording is called Puer Natus in Bethlehem. Uh, We would usually sing it on Christmas Eve together, and it's sung by and recorded by the sisters. Um, and also the instruments um, are being played by the sisters as well. Uh, so Jesus is born in Bethlehem. So I, I really hope you enjoy it. Sister Katrina, thank you. And may we, from Sacred Space, wish all of you sisters, both in St. Saviour's and also those who have helped us over the years in Nashville, many blessings for this beautiful Christmas season. God bless you now. God bless you.
And now I'd like to welcome a good friend of our programme, Father Luke McNamara, who's a member of the Benedictine Glenstall Abbey community, who has agreed to share a reflection with us at this Christmas season. You're welcome and thanks, Father Luke. Thank you very much, John. I'm uh, often um, asked about what strikes me about Christmas. And to be honest, um, the thing that strikes me most is the crib, because it is something that touches every one of us. The Just seeing the figures in the crib each year uh, brings the story to life in a real way. And it might interest people that the crib hasn't always been part of the Christian tradition. In fact, the first crib was only established in 1223 by St. Francis of Assisi in a place called Greccio. And the reason was that he wanted to be able to showcase or explain to the local population the story of Jesus's birth and to showcase it, especially for pilgrims and people who might come and visit. Um, So that was the purpose of the crib. And it was a living crib. The figures in the crib were living people and living animals. And we might ask ourselves, where did St. Francis get the idea to put in all the various figures in the crib? Because the Gospel of Luke, which is the infancy narrative, and the Gospel of Matthew, which is another infancy narrative, they don't actually coincide completely. In fact, they give us two different versions or stories of the birth of Jesus with different characters. St. Luke has the shepherds. St. Matthew has the magi. St. Luke speaks of Caesar's census, um, which causes uh, Joseph and Mary to come down from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Whereas St. Matthew, the kingly figure, is Herod, the local king, and very brutal indeed. So we have a very, we've kind of two different uh, gospel stories. But in the crib, we find both the shepherds at Christmas and then at Little Christmas or the Epiphany, the 6th of January, we find the Magi and their dromedaries or camels. But there are other people in the crib that don't appear in either the um Gospel of Luke or the Gospel of Matthew. And for those, we must look to the Old Testament. But first, I suppose we must speak about the most important figure in the crib. And that, of course, is Jesus. And it is striking how Jesus is described. Jesus is described as we're being swaddled in clothes and lying in a manger. They are, it's a contrasting image because we know from the Old Testament, the ritual for caring for newborns. The cord is cut, the child is washed with water, and then rubbed with salt, so that the child doesn't suffer any infection, and then wrapped in swaddling clothes. And we have this mention of the swaddling clothes. It's an indication that Mary and Joseph, despite not having a proper home, for the infant Jesus, do everything for him. They care for him. They provide him with all due care. But they are 
constrained or must lay him in a manger. And this is quite striking because a manger isn't a crib or a cot for a child. It's a feeding trough. It's a feeding trough for animals. And many um, early church fathers recognized the, the a kind of symbolism here that Jesus already at his birth, we have by him being laid in this manger, the feeding trough, that he would become food for us. He would become food for Christians on their life's journey. And so they see this as an anticipation of the gift of Jesus in the Eucharist. The feeding trough has at either side an ox and a donkey. And these animals that are chosen for the crib are carefully chosen. They occur in the prophecy of Isaiah right at the very beginning. And Isaiah laments that the people of Judah are inattentive to the Lord. I reared them as children, brought them up, but they have rebelled against me. However, he goes on to say, the ox knows its owner and the donkey knows its master's crib. Israel does not know, my people do not understand. So the people that come to recognize the Savior, according to Isaiah, are the ox and the donkey. Quite extraordinary that it is these two, they're kind of signposts that the Savior is among us. So it is a, a wonderful, a wonderful thing to have the ox and the donkey there, not just to remind us of Jesus' coming to all of creation, but also that they are the signposts that the Savior has come among us. Now, Jesus will speak later about an ox and a donkey twice in, in the Gospel of Luke as an adult. He will speak about how we bring an ox or a donkey to drink on the Sabbath. And he says that, is, would any of you do that on the Sabbath? And then he says, of course you would. How much more should the bent woman in the synagogue be healed on the Sabbath? Is she not a daughter of Abraham? And likewise, the man with dropsy who is healed, is he not also a son of Abraham? So the ox and the donkey both signal for Isaiah the coming of the Lord, but Jesus himself refers back to the ox and the donkey. So I think St. Francis was quite right to choose these animals to place at either side of Jesus in the crib. So we have um, the crib and Jesus in the, in the manger. And this is very significant because Luke will, um, will give us a later story shortly about the shepherds. The message of the angels to the shepherds is that they will find a child wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger. This is the sign for the, for the, for the shepherds given to them by the angels. And they will go and they will see the child wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And the, the very ordinariness of the swaddling clothes is matched with the extraordinary, extraordinary feature of lying in a feeding trough for animals. But this is the way our Savior is recognized. He is recognized 
as being humble, coming among us as one of the poor, where there is no room for him in any dwelling. And there is a, an there is a, many prophecies. There are many prophecies in the Old Testament which speak of the Lord coming among his people, but he finds no room among them. He is not welcomed. And yet he comes among them. And here we have Jesus like um, the, the God or, or his representatives, the prophets of old, coming among the people, but finding no room among them. But we will find at the end of the gospel a place where Jesus will be welcomed. And that is on the road to Emmaus, where he is invited in by the two disciples on the road into an inn. And there he has a meal with them. And in a sense, the story of Emmaus links back to the manger. Jesus giving himself as food, the risen Jesus now giving himself as food. And we see the, the, the story of the manger anticipating the end of the gospel with the story of Emmaus. There are many other features in the crib. There is the star, the star which uh, is the sign for the Magi. And people have asked themselves, is this uh, a particular planet or is this a, a particular astronomical phenomenon? But the Bible is quite clear. This is no ordinary star. This star comes and guides the, the Magi towards the Holy Land, towards Palestine. But when they get to Jerusalem and go the wrong way, they go to visit Herod, there's no mention of the star. It's not until, having learned the words of the prophets from the people around Herod, that they actually and go start leaving uh, Jerusalem to go to Bethlehem, that the star reemerges and guides them all the way and stops over the crib where Jesus is. So the star is also another signpost for the, uh, for the infant saviour come among us. There's quite a contrast in the crib between the infant Jesus, Mary and Joseph, the shepherds, and these strangers all gathering around the newborn Jesus in peace and harmony. And then we have the figures of Caesar and of Herod, whose power and might are trying to crush. And yet God's kingdom is coming regardless of their efforts. It is, it is a lovely story. Just think about at this Christmas time to look at and perhaps to reflect on just simply looking at the crib. I know many of your listeners will have cribs in their homes and perhaps you might uh, change the arrangement of the figures from day to day. Allow yourself to imagine the scene more and more and see where you are. And can you recognize in Jesus the one who brings life to you as for the bent woman in the synagogue or for the injured man in the with the withered hand or whoever? We all have great hope in this. Or we might look at the manger and think of how Jesus is going to feed us in the Eucharist. 
and hopefully this Christmas uh, we will be able to, um, if we can't get to the actual Eucharist, we'll be able to view online and participate through spiritual communion. But there are some of the ways we can pray with the crib. And St. Francis of Assisi, a great saint, it's little known that he actually had a very strong relationship with the Benedictines. He's one of our greatest friends. And St. Benedict, um, it, it, he preceded St. Francis by about five centuries. But St. Francis visited um, St. Benedict's first monastery of Subiaco. And a portrait was taken of him there. And it is up on the wall an iconic portrait, and it's the oldest portrait of St. Francis. And the, the view that one has looking at that is of somebody captivated by the wonder of God in all creation, in his people, in his animals, in the, in the wonder of nature itself. And in a sense, the crib is very ecological, takes in all of humanity, all the animal kingdom, all the earth. And the peace that comes at Christmas is for us all. That is the gift. And it's a wonderful gift that we can contemplate when we look at the crib. Peace on earth. And that is what is offered to us. So with that thought, I will leave you. And I thank uh, John and Shane of uh, Sacred Space for having me on the program. Thank you. I think it would be um, fitting, um, given that I've mentioned quite a number of the figures in the crib, that we would have a hymn that mentions several of them, just to fi finish uh, on this meditation. And perhaps Away in a Manger would be a good hymn to finish with. Thank you, John. Thank you, Father Luke. And may you have a blessed and peaceful and happy Christmas.
So and th- so those were our guests that I hope there was something there that clicked with you on this Christmas morning, John. We had some wonderful contributors there uh, uh, this this year in terms of boat reflections and lovely pieces of music, if even unusual ones, particularly that one from Father John Roach. <laughs> Yeah, Father John, of course, was our, our good friend who shared his, his faith journey with us early on during the year. But I think the interesting thing, Shane, was of all the choices of music we had, um, we didn't get any repeats, really. They were all individual. Yes, it was it was interesting. When we sent out the invitation So uh, and people came back to us and there was, myself and John were going to go on, how many silent nights are we yeah. going to get? How many <laughs> yeah. holy nights are we going to get? Yeah. None of them came back duplicate. It was actually brilliant. And we are very thankful to all of our guests and all of our contribu- contributors to the programme over the last 12 months. There has been some wonderful stories shared, reflections given, and we're very, very thankful for, to all of those that help us uh, contribute contribute to the programme during the year. And we had that many, of course. I mean, we couldn't fit them all into two hours. That's true. <clears throat> so there's more coming up. The more reflections coming up, a few more coming up on Sunday. And in fact, we couldn't fit them all in there either. <laughs> so there's two, actually, we were left over to the 3rd of January. But again, I would echo what Shane said. Brilliant. Thank you very much, Neil, for all those people who shared their, their thoughts and in fact we were recording this um, sometime even back in late November and I'm sure people must have think happy Christmas and it's <laughs> the middle of November well done thank you very much Neil, for all those who've joined us mm. but I suppose this comes to the main part of our programme of course is when we read and reflect on the word of God mm. so as we as we do each week uh, we join in praying the prayer of Cardinal Martini who used to lead Lexio Divina in his cathedral in Milan when he was the Archbishop of Milan. And so it's the prayer before reading and reflecting on Scripture. Lord, we thank you for putting us in the presence of your word, which you inspired in your prophets. May we approach this word reverently, attentively and humbly. May we not despise this word, but receive all it has to say to us. We know that our hearts are closed, often incapable of comprehending the simplicity of your word. Send your spirit to us so that receiving the word in truth and simplicity, our lives may be transformed by it. Let us not be resistant, Lord. May your word penetrate us like a two-edged sword. May our hearts be open to it. Let not our eyes be closed nor our minds wander. May we give ourselves entirely to this listening. We ask this, Father, in union with Mary, who used to recite the Psalms, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you for that, Jen. So the Gospel for today, uh, the Nativity of the Lord, the version we've taken is the Gospel of Luke, and it's chapter 2, verse 1 to 20. Now at this time, Caesar Augustus issued a decree for the census of the whole world to be taken. This census, the first, took place while Quinarius was governor of Syria, and everyone who went to his own town to be registered. So Joseph set out from the town of Nazareth in Galilee and travelled up to Judea to the town of David called Bethlehem, since it was of David's house and line, in order to be registered together with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. While they were there, the time came for her to have her child, and she gave birth to a son, her firstborn. She wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. In the countryside, close by, there were shepherds who lived in the fields, and took it in turns to watch their flocks during the night. The angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. They were terrified, but the angel said, Do not be afraid. Listen, I bring you news of great joy, a joy to be shared by the whole people. 
Today in the town of David, a Saviour has been born to you. He's Christ the Lord. And here is a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in the manger. And suddenly with the angel, there was a great throng of heavenly hosts praising God and singing, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace to men who enjoy his favour. Now when the angel had gone from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they hurried away and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And when they saw the child, they repeated what they had been told about him. And everyone who heard it was astonished at what the shepherds had to say. And as for Mary, she she treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was exactly as they had been told. So that's the Gospel for today, the Nativity of the Lord by, um, from the Gospel of Luke. <coughs> share a few thoughts you might want to share with us, please. Yeah, I suppose, where does one start with something that is so familiar in so many ways, John? But I think for me this year, um, I think familiarity is kind of almost what we need in one sense. Um, that sense of trying, you know, almost like wrapping a little comfort blanket around us in many ways. And for us to be able to take and reflect on the the gospel of the Christmas morning. Now, we've taken the version from Luke, which is generally the gospel that's used um, in the, as your midnight mass, generally, because the gospel of the day of Christmas Day is the gospel of St. John. And <clears throat> it's an important one because Luke's gospel is the one that gives us the most, um, between all of the four, between it, it's the gospel that gives us the most behind the nativity story. And tradition holds that it Luke got his information from Mary herself. Now we don't know that, but that's that's the tradition that's that's there. But this morning's gospel, I suppose, there's there's a couple of things that would strike you about it. And um the first thing I think that really struck me reading through it and trying to gather a few thoughts on it for this Christmas morning was that line from the angel. And it's one which which strikes me very often when, when we're reflecting on the Christmas gospel. And it's that line, do not be afraid. I bring you news of great joy, a joy to be shared by the whole people. And I think for us who are Christians, if ever we needed to remind ourselves of the of the joy of our faith and the joy of life and the joy that we are to share with the entire world, surely we need it for this year. The surreal, the the extraordinary, the very unusual 2020 that we have put down. Um, you know, if you think back this time last year, John, did any of us ever imagine, you know, we'd be familiar with lockdowns, we'd be going around wearing masks, that, we, you know, we'd have shut down the economy, we'd have pretty much closed down our nursing homes. And none of us could have thought about that. And, you know, it's 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 something that, you know, People say we want to go back to what was normal and we're looking towards the hope of the vaccine and everything that's going to happen next year. But one thing I would say to people from my own experience, particularly having worked overseas and worked in difficult contexts, it will never be as it was before. It can't be because you are not the person that you were 12 months ago. And you have, you know, no matter what way you have dealt with it, no matter what way we have lived through it, you as an individual have changed and as we come to this Christmas time, the one thing I would say to people this Christmas is 
whether you can do it in the church or you're doing it at home, um, you don't, you know, you should take time to reflect uh, with the crib. For for me, I think this year, that's one of the things that I'm, I'm hoping and I'm planning to do over the Christmas season is that take time to sit and just look at the crib. Turn off your phone, turn off the television, turn off the music, turn off all the noise in the background, if you like. If you don't have a crib at home, I would say to you, print your favourite picture out and stick it on cardboard so that it's there for you in front of you. You know, if you don't, if you don't actually have a crib. And we, you know, to think and reflect on the simplicity of it, but also the familiarity of it, because the more that you reflect on it, you know, it opens us up to what we can learn and we can appreciate from the Christmas story itself. The one thing I think also, so aside from the joy and reminding ourselves of the joy of what Christmas is about, which is this message of the arrival of God into human history. It's the most obtuse and difficult thing that we profess as Christians and what makes us stand out from any other faith in many respects is that God who created us, who loves us, who wants us to be with him, gave up and in the second, you know, and came to live amongst us lived and and grew as a child in his mother's womb and was born into extreme poverty. And that utter helplessness of the most divine one is something for us to think about. And being aware for us, or us being aware rather, of our reliance on God. And I think that's the one thing maybe that came out of this year as well, is that suddenly for us to realise that, you know, we're not necessarily always in control and that we sometimes do need help. And we had great help during the year. I think, John, I think we'd all agree, you know, with people that uh, the the community effort uh, that we've done over the last nine months, it's been tough. It's been hard. As we're sitting here, you know, this Christmas Day, we're probably all a bit tired and exhausted, worried, you know, anxious. Um, And do you know what, folks? That's normal. That's okay too. Because if you think about it, Mary and Joseph are probably anxious, as any any mother would know who has gone through a pregnancy. You know, how must Mary have felt her first pregnancy? She had gone into labour in Bethlehem. Uh, we don't know whether or not there was anyone there to help her except Joseph. You know, so and and they had they had to move through Judea. And then, of course, after what happened in Bethlehem, they had to flee their own country. You know, so. When we look at the story that's presented to us this morning, we need to pause and reflect and think about the things that are that is given to us in that story. The one thing that really particularly struck me, and it was a reflection I came across, across during the during Advent. <clears throat> now, when I went during Advent each year, I try, but I don't always necessarily succeed in reading um, daily reflections. And they come from a book called Watch for the Light: Readings for Advent and the Christmas, and it's published by uh, it was published by Orbis Books. But it's actually uh, a production of the Bruderhof, which is a community, an evangelical community living in different communities around the world. And there's some beautiful, beautiful reflections in it. But one of them that I came across and it posed the question, which I've still been mulling over, is how easily do we accept gifts? If you think about it, mm. we don't, you know, we're, we, how, how, how comfortable are we accepting gifts? It's all about the Christmas. We always talk about giving gifts. Yeah. 
but we, you know, people, you don't sometimes like receiving it yeah. because in one sense, there's a small degree, oh, well, I'm, I'm under obligation to a person, you know? And, you know, there, there, there's the, oh my God, if you think about it with the Christmas cards, I know, I know a couple of people, it's a case of if a Christmas card comes in as quickly, who sent that? Did I send them one? Okay, I didn't. I need to write it out straight away and get it into the post this evening. <laughs> you know, but what I'm saying is, if you think about it, the gift that God has given us is himself. An absolute and complete gift that was given to us on the first Christmas, which is given to us again and again if we are only opening open to receive that gift. And just the recognition of us that we have received it free gratis without obligation. It is there for us to embrace it. Something just to think about this Christmas morning. The other few, couple of things, I suppose, that, that strike me about the Christmas story, I suppose it's very much Luke puts it in the context of, of history. The, the you know, he, he, he compares and contrasts the, the power of Rome versus the infant, infant child that's born. And it's a sign that is given to us, a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And it's that contradiction that's presented to us, that simplicity, that gentleness that's put out there in front of us. And if ever we had to learn something this Christmas, I suppose, after the year that we've put down, is maybe to recognise the need and the, the awareness of that gentleness there and that call that is there for us to rediscover and re-embrace the more simpler things in life. You know, we're called very much to respond to that first Christmas. We are called to be as generous as God has been to us, as we try to be as generous as God has been to us. We are called, like the angels, we're like the shepherds, we are called to spread that good news to those that we meet this Christmas day. And throughout the year, we are called as well, to imitate Mary, to take all these things and reflect on them in our heart. And that's why I'm encouraging people this Christmas, sometime over the Christmas, take your time, sit in front of the crib, maybe light a candle, give yourself 10 minutes and, you know, maybe go character by character that you have in your crib, reflect on who they are, their role and their space and think about how that fits with your life journey and your year that you've had. And then as you kneel or sit in front of the crib, you know, present the gift of yourself, that the gift of your time that you've had, but also the gifts, if you like, of your worries and your fears and lay them at the feast of the babe of Bethlehem. Because surely, as, as sure as we can be sure of anything, he will reach out and he will embrace those gifts, take them from you, and help you to carry them as we get through this most surreal of Christmases. Shane, thank you so much indeed for sharing those beautiful thoughts. Um, just one little one that I want to add, just one little thought, and it, it's echoing really, I mean, all of what Shane said, but the one phrase that he, or word that he used there within his reflection was that word gift. And maybe one of the gifts we can give to the Lord this year is to help those who are afraid, those who are lonely, those who are on their own this year. I'm sure Jesus would want us to do that. If we can try and accompany them as best we can to bring them news, news of great joy this Christmas. So with that, we'll have to bring the, our programme to the end. Uh, thanks again, Shane, uh, for sharing those beautiful words with us in, in the Gospel. And you picked a beautiful piece of music to finish off the programme today. 
Yes, so our last piece of music, remind me, oh yes, our last piece of music, I had to think for a minute. <laughs> our last piece of music is a favourite of mine. It's Hark the Herald Sing, and it is sung from the album Dream a Dream by Charlotte Church. And so as we go out on this programme, just to wish each and every one of you um, from the sac- from the Come and See Inspirations team, from John and Anne and myself, um, wishing you every blessing for the of the Babe of Bethlehem for this Christmas season and for New Year 2021. And so as we go out, we wish you Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas now. Bye. Sacred Space 